You know, Luke Musgrave at his locker today mentioned that uh, he knew he had a lacerated kidney when he went home after the game that he was injured in and peed blood. And uh, Luke, I know you're new around here, but that's not what Matt meant when he said that he wants it hot. Although it would explain a lot about how well the team has been playing lately. Huh? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Lombardi Time Brews, where I'm your host, John Delray. Today, diving into the matchup of Packers versus Panthers. Panthers, I don't really want to say a team on the upswing. I mean, they're one and two in their last three, but statistically, they're at least trending in an okay direction amongst a two and 12 season, while the Packers are a great exhibit A in how to completely and utterly self-destruct in a young season that was building momentum. So going to be an interesting matchup against these two teams, but we do have a number of injuries that we are going to be talking about. So let's hit that first. Yes, the Packers, again, have a longer injury list than their competitor. Talking at this point. So let's take a look at it. I know it may be a little bit tough to read on the screen if you're on YouTube, but nonetheless, here it is for you. Out would be Devondre Campbell, Luke Musgrave, who, yes, did have his practice window opened, but he's not yet on the 53, not yet eligible for play. He's obviously out. Darnell Savage out as well. Doubtful going to be Christian Watson, Luke Tenuta, and Emmanuel Wilson. Again, both of their windows have been opened, but not yet on the 53s. And then questionable would be Jair, Jaden Reed, A.J. Dillon, Dontavian Wicks, Rudy Ford, Robert Rochelle, and T.J. Slayton. When asked about Jair specifically, Matt LaFleur in his press conference today said that they were hopeful for Sunday about Jair. Uh, there's also been reporting from Rob Domofsky of ESPN who talked to a close source to Jair who said that the only part of Jair's absence is related to his injury, that the Packers miscalculated how, what exactly the injury was, how long it was going to take, etc., etc., etc. So just more things around the rumor mill, but source close to Jair said that it's just the injury. And then in regards to A.J. Dillon, Malafleur said in his press conference today that A.J. Dillon has looked pretty good, that they're feeling Fairly confident in that thumb injury. Also of note, no injury designation for one Aaron Jones. Now, on the Panthers side of things, they've got a couple of things going on. Claude and Chairless, their linebacker, he's questionable for the game. Sam Fritham Jr., safety, questionable. Ian Thomas, tight end, also questionable. And uh, that's it, because that's what a normal team's injury report looks like. But uh, not Green Bay's. Also of note, they do have a few players that are on IR for the vast majority of the year. A few notables, at least I should say. One being Justin McCray, the former Packer interior offensive lineman. Brady Christensen, who a bunch of people wanted the Packers to draft years ago. Uh, Chenault, a wide receiver who's on IR. And then also their linebacker, Shaq Thompson, who's on IR as well. So Carolina Panthers, they're sitting at a record of two and 12. They've mustered wins against the Falcons. They've got losses against the Falcons, Saints, Seahawks, Vikings, Lions, Dolphins, Colts, Bears, Cowboys, Titans, Bucks, and Saints. Obviously a longer loss list. And what's interesting here, I actually pulled this tweet from Zach Cruz, thought this was incredibly interesting and not totally unexpected. They've lost a ton, right? So let's just take a look at this tweet. Zach Cruz saying, the Panthers are 0-12 when allowing 14 or more points. Also, 0-9 when they turn it over at least once. And 0-5 with an average loss of 18.2 points when they turn it over two or more times. Kind of gives you a gauge as to a couple of the keys that Green Bay must accomplish in this game. 
Now looking more at the Panthers and their coaching staff. As we all know, about three games ago, they fired coach Frank Reich and replaced him with special teams coordinator Chris Tabor. And the Panthers have changed as a team over the last three weeks in a few very notable ways that we're going to be discussing shortly. Offensive coordinator Thomas Brown, defensive coordinator, the apple of so many Green Bay fans' eyes would be Ajiro Evero, who Matt LaFleur had the opportunity to hire a couple of years ago. And then and then again this last offseason. Just didn't pull the trigger either time. Uh, Evero is rapidly beginning to improve the Carolina defense. They're a diminished bunch overall, but you're seeing steps in the positive direction. And if the Carolina Panthers move on from Evero and their entire staff this offseason, as is widely speculated to be the case, you can bet maybe Matt LaFleur places that phone call again. In terms of other notable, familiar names here, there's one thing that I wanted to mention specifically. Carolina, one of only a few teams in the league to actually hire a game management coordinator. His name is George Lee. Uh, I thought that was incredibly interesting. A very rare circumstance in the NFL to have a coordinator designated to game management. Something that I could see easily catching on league-wide in the coming years. Other familiar names might be James Campen, the offensive line coach of the Carolina Panthers, as well as Dom Capers, who is a senior defensive assistant for Carolina and someone who Packer fans know well. So how are the Carolina Panthers different than last year's Panthers? Well, they've added a bunch of free agency coming into this year. I know it was 14 games ago, but like, hey, it's the first time we've played them. But they've got Von Bell, DJ Shark, Adam Thielen, Miles Sanders, Hayden Hurst. In amongst those, some very productive players. Von Bell, one of their starting safeties. Adam Thielen, who had, as this fantasy owner knows, a spectacular midseason run before cratering back to earth. Mm, Miles Sanders kind of... In between, had the starting job, lost the starting job, but still is productive at times for them. Who did they lose? They lost Donta Foreman, of course, now running in Chicago, as well as Matt Iadonis, their interior defensive lineman. In terms of the draft, obviously, they made that huge trade with Chicago, cost them some draft capital. But nonetheless, their top four rounds still have produced some productive players for them this year. One, first round pick, pick one, Bryce Young and Say what you want about Bryce Young. He's at least their starting quarterback. Round two, Jonathan Mingo, a wide receiver who's increasingly productive for their offense. Round three, edge rusher DJ Johnson on the defensive side of things. Then round four, Chandler Zavala, uh, someone who's got a number of interior offensive line snaps for them. So let's take a look at where the Carolina Panthers rank offensively. And again, I'm going to give you the full season total, followed up by where they are at over the last three games, just for a more present tense trend. In terms of passing yards per game, they get 164.9. That is 31st in the NFL. Over the last three, it's gotten even worse. 134, dead last in the NFL. And if you're getting excited about that, just two words for you, Tommy DeVito. Rushing yards per game for the Carolina Panthers, 106.1. That's 17th in the NFL. Over the last three, though, it's rapidly increased, 155.3. Good for fourth best in the NFL over the last three games. Scoring-wise, they're putting up 14.7 points per game, 29th in the NFL. However, over the last three, it's gotten worse. 11 points per game over the last three, dead last in the NFL. So it's notable here. Well, let's just, let's start with their quarterback, Bryce Young. On the year, he's got a 59% completion percentage, nine touchdowns, nine interceptions. Going by PFF statistics, he's got 13 big-time throws, 20 turnover-worthy plays. Overall, Bryce Young is a very, very 
young quarterback who at times is incredibly overwhelmed. Realistically, he does not have the best supporting cast in the world, nor does he have the best coaching staff to bring traits out of him. He is truly just a little man fighting uphill at this point. But one thing that he does do well is he can pick you apart within 10 yards. His minimum quarterback rating versus left, center, or right happens to be 90.5 when throwing the ball within 10 yards. And seven of his nine touchdowns have come on throws traveling under 10 yards. But as I said, he is overwhelmed. He's under pressure on about 40% of his dropbacks. And on those dropbacks has a completion percentage of only 37%. Even his yards per attempt down all the way to 3.5 when pressured. He also has yet to even throw a touchdown when under duress. And as I mentioned, they did change some things when Frank Reich was let go three weeks ago. Since then, they've escalated from 17th in rushing yards per game to 4th. And pre the firing, they were running the ball 24 times a game. Since then, 36 so if you're wondering why this massive uptick in rushing yards per game, it's partly just because they're running the ball more. It's clear that Tabor, under his leadership with offensive coordinator Thomas Brown, want to limit Bryce Young until he's ready. They're kind of taking the offense and bottling it up themselves for hope of more efficiency and just being able to move the ball at all. But as I also noted, in the last three weeks, their points per game that they're putting up also has fallen a field goal's worth. So is it working? Really? So let's take a look at the defensive side of the ball now for the Carolina Panthers. In terms of passing yards per game, they're only giving up 173.7. That's good for third in the NFL. Over the last three, 152 yards per game, second. Rushing yards per game, they're giving up 117.9. That's 20th in the NFL. Over the last three, 92.3. That's good for 10th in the NFL. Scoring, they're giving up 24.9 points per game, 29th in the NFL. However, over the last three, getting better. 18.7 points per game given up. That's 11th in the NFL. What's notable about the Carolina Panther defense? I got two names for you. Derek Brown and Brian Burns. That's what's notable about this defense. Brown is only one sack on the year, but his level of disruption has quickly ascended to being just kind of a tier below Aaron Donald. Chris Jones, the Kenny Clark tier, if you will, that he's more than capable. Now, I know statistically he's not up near Kenny Clark yet. I know realistic Kenny Clark is still better. But what I'm saying is he's that type of player that the level of disruption that Derek Brown can do against your interior offensive line, if you don't account for him, is quickly and rapidly increasing. And then you pair that with an edge rusher like Brian Burns. He was kind of there with Sean Gary. Overall, he's not as productive as Gary, but what Burns does better than Gary and always has throughout their entire career is he does convert more pressures to sacks. He's got seven sacks on the year. I know overall that's a less number than Rashawn Gary, but when you look at pressures versus sacks, Burns actually turns them into sacks more often than Gary does. And what wouldn't be shocking at all from the Panther side of things is if they actually put Brown and Burns on the same side. They mostly do that on the right side when they do that pairing. So Zach Tom and whoever lines up next to Zach Tom, be it Sean Ryan or John Runyon Jr., need to account for these two guys. And realistically, it's one of the keys to the game for the Green Bay offense to function. As for coverage for Carolina, their number one cornerback is Dante Jackson, who by many standards is... He's having a fairly underachieving year. Uh, when targeted, he's giving up a QB rating of 114.9, as well as an average depth of target of 12.7. 
His counterpart on the other side, C.J. Henderson. He's been fairly miserable, giving up a quarterback rating of 115.6 and a reception percentage of 77%. I should add, though, little asterisk here. Those numbers could be a tad misleading because Evero, their defensive coordinator, runs a scheme much like Joe Barry. He's part, he had some tutelage under Brandon Staley. He's kind of part of the Fangio tree, although Evero runs a drastically more aggressive version of the same overall defensive philosophy. So when looking at cornerback numbers, yeah, it's a tinge misleading because, you know, like look at last week for Green Bay, right? Four yards of separation all around these wide receivers. Well, according to PFF, someone had to get credited with the with the catch against them. So, you know, just, just bear that in mind. As for tackling, they're a lot worse than the Buccaneers. Got that going for us. But only three of the top Panthers, or top 10 in tackles, I should say, have missed tackle percentage in single digits. That's great. One of them is over 20%. That's their top 10 tackle getters. It's not the worst tackling team the Packers have played. It's also not the best tackling team either. In terms of supplemental statistics, that may be of note. In terms of turnover margin, they are sitting at negative 0.4 per game, 23rd in the NFL. However, over the last three games, an emphasis of giving Bryce Young less attempts and more running attempts overall happens to be that now they're positive in the turnover game, plus 0.3 over the last three games. In terms of getting sacks per game, they're dead last in the NFL. They only get 1.4 sacks per game. On the flip side, they get sacked a bunch more. They get sacked 3.9 times per game. It's 29th in the NFL. In terms of penalties, they perform fewer penalties than Green Bay. We're still doing this. 6.4 for Carolina. That's 23rd in the NFL. Green Bay sitting at 6.7. It's healthily under 7 now. Mm -hmm. 28th in the NFL. And in terms of plays per game, Carolina one of the more aggressive teams in the league in getting more snaps, getting more plays, 66.4 plays per game. That's third in the NFL. Green Bay sitting back at 61.1. That's 23rd in the NFL. And then one last thing, if you're wondering about special teams, Carolina sits at a grade by PFF of 70.3, 25th in the NFL. Green Bay, 74.7. That's 21st. Look at Green Bay go better than Carolina at special teams, at least according to PFF. So, all right. Whew, we've broken down Carolina. Okay, we know that Bryce Young can dink and dunk a little bit against you. They can run the ball now that they're running the ball more. Right? Defensively, they're probably not going to get a ton of sacks against you. Brian Burns is the only one to do it. We know that you can complete a pass against them, but overall, their pass numbers on the whole are pretty gosh darn good. So how do you beat this Carolina Panther team? Number one, for the love of God, Joe Barry, stop worrying about the big play it has a time that type of defense it's got a place but bryce young is no patrick mahomes he's not a jared goff in fact there's very few like him in the nfl that you can even cop him to because he's struggling so freaking much as a rookie this is not a game to send your safeties back 15 to 25 yards because oh no they're gonna throw it to 100 year old adam Thielen. no play downhill they want to run a ton their last three they've been running 36 times a game only eight percent of bryce young's targets actually go over 20 yards this cannot be the game where the packers play on their heels go up and get them number two defensively the carolina panthers are slightly more aggressive than the packers and overall probably not as talented but i think you can make the argument that they're using their talent better than the packers do 
So listen to these similarities. Both teams are amongst the worst in run defense, which leads to teams running against them a lot. Both rank near the NFL and rush attempts per against them. Both teams also amongst the best in pass defense in the NFL. But is that a product of actually like good coverage? Or is it a product of teams running more often against you so they just happen to throw less against you? See, overall, Carolina, much like Green Bay, does do a good job of limiting the big play last week, notwithstanding for Green Bay. So what I would propose is Green Bay offensively beat them how you've been beaten. Actually use Aaron Jones, who has no injury designation for the first time in what feels like forever. Run the ball. Use a quicker style of offense to get the ball into the receiver's hands and potentially earn some yak as opposed to contested catches 15 yards down the field. That's what I'm beginning to look for, at least in this matchup. Yes, can the quarterbacks be beaten for Carolina? 100%. But overall, this is a game that they probably should dink and dunk and win the game. Overall, number three, the final key to this game. Let the players play. Just let them play. Let the young wide receivers try to get some yak. Give Aaron Jones carries. Defensively, don't have them eight yards off against these wide receivers. Don't, on third and four, have them back up farther because you're so afraid of Bryce Young or not afraid of him at all, whatever the logic is there. Let them play. One of the main gripes about the Joe Barry scheme of last week, I'm not going to say it every single week. I'm not going to blow this out of proportion. What I'm going to say, though, is one of the main gripes is at least national observers are even seeing that defensively, what do you want Green Bay defenders to do? When the scheme calls for them to be six yards away from the dude who's probably getting the ball, how are they even remotely going to even try to make a play on it? So this week, let them make a play. Let them play. That's what it all boils down to for me. So let's talk final thoughts here. It's time to rally the troops, right? The Packers went out. They still have, depending on which calculator you use, a 95 to 99% chance of making the playoffs. 95 to 99, even after the last two weeks, if they win out these final three games. So you can make the argument that they do still control their own destiny. Changes on the defensive side of the ball. Staffing-wise, we know they're probably overdue. Lose this week to the 2-12 and 12 Panthers, and yeah, that change could come on a lot quicker than certain individuals want it to. But the thing is, Green Bay is the higher-achieving team this year. They are the more talented team this year. And even coming off of the slump that the Packers have found themselves, this is a game that they should still win if they can't get up for this game with the playoffs on the line then we may be looking and i don't mean again to exaggerate but at least on the defensive side of the ball if they get beat by bryce young then you may be looking at a true blue culture implosion on that side of the ball this is a gotta have a game for green bay and it, it has more to do than just this one week really even has more to do than the playoff odds and those calculators. This is a must-win game for Green Bay to get back on the right track. 
and perhaps to reinforce what for one time has been a pretty healthy team culture. And again, I'm not really talking about the offensive side of the ball. I think we all know where I'm going with this. So overall, this year, this year was all about transitioning, clearing the cap, letting the young kids play, learn, just go learn. Most fans predicted them to hover around 500, maybe squeak into the playoffs, right? And look at where we are, hovering around 500, maybe with a chance to sneak into the playoffs. Well, the one question that we needed answered this year was, is Jordan Love the guy? Yeah, he is. And that alone should have us looking to the future. I will not, before I give this final prediction, I will not be in the camp of saying, boy, I hope they lose out just so Joe Barry loses his job. I hope they lose out just so Malafleur learns a lesson and gets rid of that D coordinator. Uh-uh. Losing breeds losing. John Calipari from Kentucky even said that. It's an old adage in sports. Tanking teams stay sucky. Why? Because they've taught themselves how to lose. I want this young Packer team to win out. And if you don't win out, I'm sure better go down swinging. And then I'm just going to trust that the head coach at the end of the year will make the difficult but correct decision. That's what I think we all need to root for. So Green Bay on top, beating Carolina because they are the better team. Packers 27, Panthers 13. I will say this too. I'm willing to bet that the defense, the defense, if, if they don't completely implode upon themselves, then the flip side is I think the defense is going to come out pissed that they've been a national laughingstock for at least one week, arguably two. So let's see it happen. Players take some pride, go out and get this win. Remember, no watch party from me on Sunday. It is Christmas Eve after all, and this is the last time that I'm going to see it. I will try after the game on Sunday to go live for like a quick 15 minute, like reaction Q&A type deal. I'll try for that on Sunday, but I do hope you, if you checked out this video, hope you have a wonderful holiday. Hope you're having a great week preparing for holiday. Even if you're just chilling at home and you don't do holidays, hope it's been a good week for you. So thank you so much for checking out Lombardi Time Brews. I'll be here, probably react to the game after Sunday. If not, then for sure you'll see me midweek next week following the holiday. Thanks. And as always, go Pack Go.